Hi guys, I'm Gwyneth Paltrow. Welcome to the Goop Podcast. Every Thursday, Goop editors will be sitting down with provocative thinkers, industry disruptors, and culture changers. I'll take turns interviewing barrier-breaking guests as we talk about shifting old paradigms and starting new conversations. Today's guest is a cardiologist by training. Dr. Stephen Gundry graduated cum laude from Yale, pre-med, then got his MD from the Medical College of Georgia before completing his surgical residency at the University of Michigan. He served as chairman and head of cardiothoracic surgery at Loma Linda University School of Medicine for 16 years. In 2001, he met a so-called hopeless patient with heart disease who ended up turning around his health by making some surprising diet changes. This experience changed the trajectory of Dr. Gundry's career, who went on to explore the powers of nutrition and search for cures for notoriously difficult-to-treat diseases and disorders. He is the founder and director for the Center for Restorative Medicine, based in Palm Springs, California, and he shared his fascinating research and dietary philosophy in his books, The Plant Paradox, Dr. Gundry's Diet Evolution, and The Plant Paradox Cookbook. I've got a paper on of 102 people with biomarker-proven autoimmune disease, like rheumatoid arthritis, like lupus, like MS, who followed the Plant Paradox program and was in six months, 90 out of 102 of them were off of all of their medications. Dr. Gundry sat down with our chief content officer, Elise Lunin, to talk through his theory on lectins, the potentially harmful plant-based proteins that he studied extensively, and some of his other insights into the root causes of autoimmune disease. After the conversation, I'll be doing a quick round of Ask Me Anything. If you've got a burning or totally random question you want me to answer, hit us up at Goop on Instagram or Facebook. Before we get to Dr. Gundry, we want to tell you a bit about one of our partners. Did you know that the personal care industry isn't regulated by the FDA? While the European Union has banned north of 1,400 chemicals, the U.S. has banned only 11. This is why we started the Goop Clean Beauty Shop, to vet the very best products that don't rely on any toxic ingredients. True Botanicals, a company that is setting the standard for clean and effective skin and body care, was one of the first lines we carried. I've had rosacea since I was young and learned how important it is to keep my skin both exfoliated and extra moisturized. I'm always looking for really potent hydrating options, and True Botanicals Calm Pure Radiance Oil works perfectly for my skin. I use it on clean skin before applying Goop's Night Cream. They actually have an oil for every skin type. True Botanicals even has a virtual quiz on their site that you can take to help figure out the right collection of products for you. Like Goop, True Botanicals is a company run by women, women who believe we deserve better from the beauty industry. They want to convince everyone that clean beauty is just as powerful as conventional products. To give their potent non-toxic products a shot, go to truebotanicals.com and type in code GOOP at checkout for a one-time 15% discount. Now, let's get to Elise and her interview with Dr. Stephen Gundry. I'm hoping you can tell us, I know the story, but I think it's a great story, the story of Big Ed and how he changed your life. Yeah, so I, I like to think of it as a right turn rather than a left turn. And about late 1990s, a gentleman was referred to me from Miami, Florida, who I affectionately call Big Ed. He's a, he's a real person. 
he was 48 years old, had inoperable coronary artery disease. That means he had so many blockages in all of his blood vessels to his heart that you couldn't put stents in them, you couldn't do bypasses because there wasn't any place to put a bypass. And like many people who I see, uh, this gentleman had gone around the country looking for surgeons or cardiologists who were stupid enough to take him on. And he had spent about six months doing this. And one of the places that they eventually wind up is in my office at Loma Linda, because I'm one of those stupid heart surgeons who will just about operate on anybody. And so this had been a six-month process. And he brought his angiogram, the movie of his heart, and uh, I looked at it. And I said, you know, i got to tell you, Big Ed, um, there's nothing I can do for you. Everybody's right. There's no place to put bypasses. I'm just not going to help you. And he said, well, yeah, that's what everybody says. But here's the deal. Uh, for six months, I've been on a diet, and I lost 45 pounds. Now, this was a guy who was 265 pounds when I met him. So big Ed. And he says, I've gone to a health food store and I, I bought all these supplements. And he actually brings in a huge shopping bag full of supplements. And he says, you know, maybe I did something you know, inside my heart. And, you know, I'm scratching my professor beard and going, well, you know, good for you for losing weight, but the, you know, that's not going to do anything here. And I, and I know what you did with all those supplements. Uh, you made expensive urine, which I truly believe back then. And he says, well, look, you know, I've come all this way from Miami. Why don't we do another angiogram? What would it hurt? You know, let's just see. Yeah, let's do a big sign. Eh, okay. So we get an angiogram on him the next day. And in six months' time, this guy has cleaned out half the blockages in his heart. They're gone. Now, he still had blockages. But now there were places where I could do bypasses, plug things in. And I actually took him and did a five vessel bypass. Now, if I knew what I know now, uh, it's the last thing I would have done. I would have said, hey, you know, great, let's keep doing this. But I didn't know that. So uh, after the operation, I said, you know, start telling me about this diet. What, what have you been doing? And he starts talking and about, I don't know, four sentences in, I said, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute, time out. Uh, I had, back in the dark ages, I was at Yale University as an undergraduate, and in those dark age times, you know, horse and buggies, we were able to do a, a special major where we could, for four years, design a thesis that we wanted to defend, and defend it to three full professors, and if you defended your thesis, you got an honor, you got to graduate, and if you didn't, well, so what? Uh, so I had a thesis that you could take a great ape, manipulate its food supply, manipulate its environment, and predict that you would arrive at a human being. So I got an honors, and I gave it to my parents, and then went to medical school and kind of forgot all about it. Now, it was poignant because when I was when I met Big Ed, I was a big, fat guy. Uh, I weighed 228 pounds. I'm five foot ten. That's obese. Uh, I was running 30 miles a week. I was going to the gym one hour every day, and I was eating a healthy, low-fat vegetarian diet at Loma Linda. And I couldn't figure out why. I had high blood pressure, pre-diabetes, high cholesterol. I operated on little babies with migraine headaches. I don't recommend it. Uh, I had such bad arthritis in my knees that I wore braces to run. So I said, Big Ed, what you did is my thesis in college. 
And so I called my parents. I said, you still got, you know, my thesis? And they said, oh, yeah, it's here in the shrine. <laughs> um, I, I said, send it up to me. And so I put myself on my thesis. And fast forward, I lost 50 pounds my first year. And I lost uh, subsequently about 20 pounds. And so then I said, okay, so let me look in that bag of supplements. And I'm, I said, how'd you do this? And he said, oh, I just went to the health food store, and this looked interesting, and this looked interesting. It really did. And... So I'm looking through this, and I'm, I'm pulling these things out, and I'm going, whoa, you know, this is amazing. Some of the ingredients that Big Ed was taking, I was using to resuscitate heart cells. Uh, and, it, you know, it never occurred to me to swallow the dumb stuff. So I said, gee whiz, I'm going to start swallowing this stuff, and I'm going to send my blood work up to the University of California, Berkeley, and see what happens. And so... Not only did big changes happen to me, people noticed what I was doing, and my staff started doing this, and then I put my patients that I operated on on this, and their blood pressure normalized, their diabetes went away, their arthritis went away. And after about a year of doing this at Loma Linda, uh, my wife still calls it Black Friday, I'm looking in the mirror, and I'm going, you know, I can't do what I'm doing anymore. I can't operate on people and then tell them how to avoid me. Uh, I have to take them and tell them how to avoid me and not operating on them. Now, that's really stupid uh, because even in academics, uh, an academic heart surgeon makes a decent living. But teaching people how to eat um, is not a good way to make, make a living. Uh, in fact, it's really not encouraged by the insurance system. So... Anyhow, I resigned my position and just walked away and set up uh, a clinic in Palm Springs. And I just asked people every three months, uh, I'd like to take certain foods away from you. And I'd like you to go get some supplements at Costco or Trader Joe's or Amazon or Vitacost. I don't care where you go. Uh, and I want to see what happens with your blood and with you and every three months we're going to look at this and insurance will pay for it and insurance will pay for the blood work and so very rapidly you could start to see predictable changes when people did certain things remove certain foods and that resulted in my first book which was dr gundry's diet evolution uh, after that book came out a lot of people with autoimmune diseases started showing up in my office because I had highlighted a couple of people whose autoimmune disease had gone away by following this book. And they said, they'd come in and say, what do you know about autoimmune disease? And I said, well, really, I don't know anything about autoimmune disease, but I know a whole lot about the immune system because I'm a transplant immunologist. And that resulted in me finding that there were these compounds in plants, which are the plant defense system against being eaten, called lectins. And lectins have been known about for actually over 150 years now. But uh, in the plant paradox, which was the next book, uh, I made a case that re really shocked me that lectins are potentially the cause of almost all human diseases, including heart disease absolutely autoimmune disease. And so I developed a program where 
I tell people, it's not what I tell you to eat that's very important. It's what I tell you not to eat that makes all the difference. Switching to lectins for a second, so um, and, and being familiar with your work, the idea is that plants predated all of us. They're incredible chemists, and they created systems to arm themselves against being eaten, right? Which yeah. we as humans ignore. Right. Most animals are actually pretty smart. And uh, the idea of lectins are to make their predator ill or hurt or actually depressed. You can actually inject lectins into a belly of a rat, and the rat will cower in a corner and not come out of the corner and seek out food and get actually very anxious and depressed. And if you think about it as a plant defense system, if you've got a rat cowering in a corner, uh, that's a pretty good way to stop a rat from eating you. And uh, we know that, for instance, if a caterpillar starts eating leaves, we know that the plant actually recognizes the sound of a caterpillar munching and will ignore other sounds that try to duplicate that sound and know specifically the sound of a caterpillar munching. And if there's a caterpillar munching on a leaf on one side of a tree, within 10 minutes, the lectin content on the other side of the tree will double, triple, quadruple uh, because the tree knows it's under attack. Wow. Wow. That's, that's and, and crazy. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. And, you know, we, we think that, you know, plants just sit there and they were put here for us to eat. And, in fact, like you said, they were here first. And they had it really good until animals arrived. Um, <laughs> so why do animals get the message and we don't? Is it that our systems are that much more complex? No, we definitely get the message, uh, but we choose to ignore that message. And we have some phenomenal drugs and over-the-counter drugs that cover up what we think are natural consequences of just eating. Uh, for instance, we know that lectins uh, in corn and soybeans are the cause of heartburn in cattle. Uh, cattle aren't designed to eat corn and soybeans. They're designed to eat grass. And they get such bad heartburn that they refuse to eat because, quite frankly, if, if it hurts to eat something, a smart cow says, you know, every time I eat these corn and soybeans, it hurts, and I'm not going to eat these things anymore. So we put half the world's production of Tums, calcium carbonate, is mixed into cattle food so that they will keep eating. Mm. And, wow. and so, you know, and, and we know that, for instance... So so when Larry the cable guy, you know, wants to eat a pizza, he's so happy that he can take a Prilosec OTC and keep eating pizza uh, so he doesn't get heartburn. And, you know, instead of saying, gee, you know, this stuff in pizza, which is a lectin bomb, by the way, is giving me heartburn. And maybe I should listen to my body and say, you know, this is funny. Every time I eat pizza, I get heartburn. And maybe my body's trying to tell me something rather than saying, isn't it wonderful that we have this drug that I can keep eating pizza? Before we get to the big lectin bombs, and I know you have another cookbook coming out that is full of recipes that I'm sure involve a pressure cooker, can you sort of explain historically how other cultures have managed to get around lectins? Yeah. I talk about setting up the, the offense and defense, and because... Uh, animals uh, have their own defense against lectins, and 
lectins have their own set of offense to try and overcome the defense of animals. So we have multiple layers of defense. We have mucus, which is mucopolysaccharides. And mucus is actually sugar molecules that lectins, which are proteins, attach to. So the next time you bite into a jalapeno pepper, you'll notice your nose starts to run. And that's actually because you're starting to produce mucus to trap those lectins that you just ate. And so I want you to, every time you eat that spicy food and your nose starts running, realizing that your body is actually upping the defense against lectins. We also have acid in our stomach, which can digest a large number of lectins. They're proteins, and acid digests protein. The third line of defense is we have a microbiome, the bacteria and fungi in our gut and in our intestines, that actually likes to eat lectins. Uh, most people don't know there's actually bacteria that love to eat gluten, and gluten happens to be a lectin. And so we have developed these defense systems uh, against lectins. But part of the problem is that we no longer have a good microbiome because we've been taking antibiotics most of our life for really no good reason. And most of the food that we eat uh, has been fed antibiotics, our cows, our chickens, our pigs, uh, even fish that are farm-raised. And yes, we could take probiotics, which are friendly bacteria, but that's like planting little seedlings after a forest fire and thinking you're going to have a big forest in a couple of weeks, and it just doesn't happen. So those are kind of our defense systems that have been decimated. So now, how do cultures deal with this? Well, number one, traditional cultures aren't sitting around taking antibiotics and antacids and nexium and but they've been fermenting their vegetables. We know that fermentation actually reduces lectins in beans and in grains. And if you think about it, long ago, there was no preservation system. So almost all foods that we gathered eventually fermented. Uh, I'll give you an example of quinoa, one of my favorite uh, nasty grains. Uh, the Incas actually had three detoxification processes to get the lectins out of quinoa. They soaked it for 48 hours, and then they fermented it. They allowed it to rot, and then they cooked it, and it's not on the package directions. And in, in the book, I profile a, a young woman from Peru who moved to Los Angeles, and her mother always pressure-cooked quinoa and told her you had pressure-cooked quinoa because it was so deadly. And she thought that was just a cute wives' tale. So when she moved to Los Angeles, she continued her Peruvian diet, which included a lot of quinoa, but she didn't use a pressure cooker. And she developed really bad IBS um, symptoms. And a friend sent her out to me and kind of going down the list and I'm telling her what you know her ancestors, the Incas, did to quinoa. And her eyes pop wide open and says, Mom was right? And I say, yeah, Mom was right. And uh, so I said, call me back in a month. And you know she calls back and said, yeah, that was it. Uh, I'm fine now. Thank you. It makes so much sense now that you know, she was right, and uh, I, they were destroying the lectins in the rice and beans that they were eating. And I know, like, tomatoes, 
Yeah. So uh, tomatoes, you know, I, I make a big point that the Italians always peel and de-seed their tomatoes and peppers before they eat them because the peels and the seeds have the major lectins. The pulp doesn't. Uh, my grandmother was French on my mother's side, and she taught my mother that you could not serve a tomato unless you peeled and de-seeded it. So all my life until I went to college, uh, I had peeled and de-seeded tomatoes. And when I went to Yale and was served a sliced tomato with peels and seeds, I thought it was the weirdest thing I'd ever seen. Because, And why would anybody eat it this way? Cultures have figured out really how to uh, lessen the impact. One of my favorite facts, is that 4 billion people use rice as their staple. Uh, rice has been cultivated since uh, 8,000 years ago. And yet 4 billion people take the hull off of rice, which contains the lectins, and eat white rice. And you got to wonder, how can 4 billion people be that stupid? Because everybody knows brown rice is so much better for you than white rice. Well, they're not stupid. They've figured out that you really should take the haul off of rice. And up until recently, most cultures have taken the haul off of wheat and other grains, and they eat white bread and white pasta. And the idea of an Italian having whole wheat pasta, I mean, I, I think they'd rather, you know, put a knife through their chest. Um, it's just, it's really, you know, the French and the Italians have very low levels of heart disease, and here they are eating this, you know, dangerous white bread and white baguette and white croissants and white pasta, and we, we don't look at what cultures have actually done to protect themselves. And all the lectin is in the hall, right? Yeah. We'll have more of Elise's conversation with Dr. Stephen Gundry in a minute. In the meantime, let's talk about one of our partners. Here at Goop, we abide by the thesis of making every choice count. We believe that resources are limited, money, time, materials, and that there's no reason to have a bad meal or go to a ho-hum yoga class or buy a dress that you never wear that taunts you from your closet. You know, that dress that doesn't look good on you, but is too expensive to give away. Those dresses are the worst. And that's where Stitch Fix comes in. It's the perfect antidote for women who don't like to shop or don't have time to shop or who have always wanted a personal stylist to pick flattering pieces that they will actually wear. I just went through the process of signing up for a Stitch Fix account, and it's easy and fun. You enter all your basic size details, pick collages that best reflect your taste, select some of your favorite brands and stores to give the stylist a sense of what you're comfortable spending, and then they do the rest for you. You can choose your frequency from every few weeks to once a quarter, and they'll send you a box of five pieces that they know will fit and flatter you. There's no subscription required. You simply ship back anything that you don't want to keep, and they even pay for shipping and returns. Get started now at stitchfix.com goop, and you'll also get 25% off when you keep all five items in your box. That's stitchfix.com goop to try Stitch Fix today. stitchfix.com goop. Okay, let's get back to our chat with Dr. Stephen Gundry. Your primary prescription now for patients is diet and supplements. Yeah. Why do you think it's so difficult to 
and and maybe it is shifting, but like shift medical culture to this more sort of preventative, gentle place, particularly when the impact can be profound. I mean, we get emails too from readers all the time saying like that their daughter's rheumatoid arthritis was was reversed and is fully under control from following your diet. What needs to happen for people to sort of take autonomy over their health? The longer I've been at this, the more I'm impressed with uh, Hippocrates and He believed uh, a very long time ago, 2,500 years ago or more, that uh, there are, there's this green life force energy, as he described it, within every animal and plant for that matter, that actually wants to have perfect health. And the, there are external forces that prevent that green life force energy from expressing itself. And he believed the purpose of a physician was to be a detective and determine what those external forces were that were preventing the natural healing of that organism and then remove those external forces and the organism, the green life force energy, would actually take care of everything else. And The longer I've been at this now, uh, the more I realize that that's actually the fundamental truth. And all you got to do is be a good detective, find out what those forces are. And with modern uh, blood work, we can actually, and I've published a lot on this, show that removing external forces, like, for instance, lectins or like Roundup um, and antibiotics, will allow a person to heal themselves. In fact, uh, next month uh, at the American Heart Association Lifestyle Medicine Conference, I've got a paper on of 102 people with biomarker-proven autoimmune disease like rheumatoid arthritis, like lupus, like MS, who followed the Plant Paradox program and was in six months... 90 out of 102 of them were off of all of their medications. They were negative for any biomarker for autoimmune disease. And uh, the other ones were dramatically reduced in their markers. So, I mean, it's just, it's mind-boggling to me that you can actually record reversal of autoimmune diseases and prove that it's just removing certain things from people's diet. So what is the mechanism there? It would be so clarifying for doctors if ever if it was like everyone went on a 21-day elimination diet, you had a clean slate, you went to your doctor presenting your symptoms. It seems like it would just clear the field so at least you could really understand what's going on and whether it needs medical intervention. Right. Well, you know, unfortunately, you know, we when Dwight Eisenhower uh, retired as president, Uh, He said, you have to beware the military-industrial complex. That was his famous saying. And now I think you can paraphrase him that we have to be aware of the medical, agricultural, and pharmaceutical complex. And if you actually look at major medical school board of directors, you will find on those board of directors 
people from the chemical industry, from the pharmaceutical industry, and from the agricultural industry. And most of the grants to medical schools now come from big pharma, big agriculture. Uh, we know now through the New York Times reporting that in the 1950s, the Department of Nutrition at Harvard was subsidized substantially by the sugar industry and were putting out false statements that sugar had no influence on obesity and diabetes because they were literally paid by the sugar industry. And this was brought home with the Center, of, uh, Center for Disease Control um, director was found to be buying tobacco stocks in Japan, the exact thing that she was sworn to be against. So medical students, doctors get most of their information from big pharma, um, big chemicals like Monsanto directs the FDA, big chemistry wants something, they just support Congress to make sure that that law gets passed. So it's a very hard habit to break. For instance, I'll give you an example. There's extensive literature now that vitamin D toxicity is incredibly rare. Uh, big study out of the Mayo Clinic thinks that you can't get vitamin D toxicity until the levels get above 350, but that vitamin D is incredibly important to repair the wall of our gut, and that high vitamin D levels actually induce uh, rejuvenation of our telomeres, the little aging things on our chromosomes. And yet, so I'll have most of my patients run their vitamin D level around 100, and they'll go to their local doctor and they'll say, oh my gosh, you know, you're on toxic levels of, uh, of vitamin D and it's going to kill you. Uh, well, there's no such thing. Uh, I have, my life was changed, for instance, 10 years ago when I had a couple patients who were in their 70s, and I got their vitamin D levels, uh, and they were 278, and that's supposedly lethal. And I'm looking at them, and I'm going, um, hmm, you're not dead. Uh, you know, why aren't you dead? And I said, you know, you have very high vitamin D levels. And they said, oh, yeah, you know, vitamin D is a hormone. We've been taking huge amounts of vitamin D all our lives. And so I started reading Dr. Hollick's work from Boston University. And sure enough, you know, vitamin D has so many benefits, and we've been taught that it's, you know, we, we shouldn't be taking very much. Mm -hmm. So th these things are going to take a long time to get out there. And For general health, because I think that a lot of women, you know, the autoimmune stuff is very resonant because, and this is just me, the child of a doctor, so I think oh, I'm a no. doctor. I know, the worst, such a self-prescriber. <laughs> but, I, you know, we've talked about this with some other doctors who contribute frequently to Goop, but there's, you know, you're not really sick until there's a code, but that a lot of women exist on the spectrum of feeling unwell, sort of an almost an autoimmune spectrum. You yeah. don't have a full-blown autoimmune disease, but you're definitely not doing well. So besides eliminating lectins and following your protocol, what are other... Are there supplements? What are other things that every woman should do to protect her health? Well, yeah, you're right. Women, most of our standard lab tests that a doctor gets and is taught to get don't even give us a clue that anything could be possibly wrong. And 
long ago, you know, I was taught that, you know, if a woman comes in with these weird complaints, you know, she's basically crazy or seeking attention. Hysterical. A hysterical female. One of the amazing things I've learned, and surgeons don't listen. It's one of the nice things about surgeons. Uh, I taught myself to listen, and I taught myself to believe the female opposite me and that start looking for why she was saying these things, that things weren't right. And in fact, we now have you know, sophisticated stuff that proves that women were right. I'll give you a great example that just happened this week. I got an email from a woman in her 40s who, um, you name it, she has it, uh, Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. She basically became bedridden and had fibromyalgia and you name the complaint she had it and she went all over the world mayo clinic etc and everybody says well, you know it's, you're just crazy because all your labs look great and there's no reason you should be in bed and you know here you know have some pain pills and you know have some antidepressants and so i get this letter and she says i just you know want you to know that i you know, I've tried every diet in the world, FODMAP diet, um, elimination diets, and then somebody, you know, told me about your book. And I go, yeah, great, another diet. Well, you know, what do I have to lose? And she said, With, within a couple of days, I was walking. I haven't walked in years, and I got out of bed. You know, she just said, you know, you, you saved my life. And why why didn't anybody listen to me all these years and um, we're not trained to listen we don't actually realize you have a gut feeling and it is actually coming from your gut and we have to find out why you have that gut feeling and we can and you gotta unfortunately in this current medical climate you have to be your own champion mm -hmm. and there are people who will listen to you a lot of functional medicine people will listen yeah all right so my final question so vitamin d you think everyone should run their vitamin d high yeah run your vitamin d high uh, there's two labs who absolutely agree that uh, 120 is absolutely normal on a, on a blood test i run my vitamin d greater than 120 for the last 10 years to prove to people i'm not dead and i'm not as you can see, uh, you got to get a lot of fish oil in you. And most people don't realize that our brains are about 70% fat. And half of the fat in our brain is a component of fish oil called DHA. And there's beautiful studies now that show that people who have the highest levels of DHA in their brain as they age have the biggest brains and the biggest areas of memory and people who have the lowest levels have the most shrunken brains and the smallest areas of memory i can absolutely if you're a vegan or a vegetarian you you've got to get algae-based dha in you uh, the vegans that i see when i first see them and i take care of a lot of vegans um, have incredibly low levels of dha and omega-3s in, in their body the other thing that I think is incredibly important for people is to get polyphenols into you. And polyphenols are dark compounds like are in blueberries, like are in cherries, like are in dark chocolate, like are in coffee. And you can get these in powdered form or capsule form. And 
the more we're learning about polyphenols, the more we know that polyphenols actually are what's going to keep our brain alive as we age. They're going to improve almost every functioning mitochondria in our body. Just an interesting small fact, people who drink five or more cups of coffee a day have almost no evidence of Alzheimer's or Parkinson's. Wow. wow. And that's because the polyphenols in coffee are so important. And you can't put milk in coffee because it binds the polyphenols. Oh, what? Man. You Man. Can put, you can put coconut milk instead. Okay. How's that? That's a good concession. So the Plant Paradox Cookbook, which is a follow-up to Dr. Gundry's best-selling Plant Paradox, is out and bust out those pressure cookers. Yeah, pressure cooker will defend you against those nasty lectins. Thank you, 1970s. Thanks so much for joining our talk with Dr. Stephen Gundry today. You can learn more about his work at GundryMD.com. I hope you enjoyed the conversation too. Now, as promised, it's Ask Me Anything time. Amanda wants to know if I get my hair colored. Amanda, obviously. Have you seen my fake blonde hair? And now I'm also gray. I'm going gray, so I dually need to color my hair. Have a question? Drop us a line at Goop on Instagram or Facebook. That's it for this week's episode of the Goop Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please rate, review, and share with your friends. To keep up with new episodes, just hit subscribe. And for more info, head over to goop.com slash the podcast. See you next week.